Good morning. We're going to let the children make their way to junior church at this time, and we're going to turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, we'll start at verse 8 this morning. Okay, let's look at verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And this too knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone. The day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. None of us like to be in debt. And yet, for many people today, debt is a way of life. They get up in the morning and they can sing that little chorus, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. (laughs) It's just just a, a fact of life for them there. God encourages us as much as possible to owe no man anything, to be as free as we can from debt. Now, I realize this is a very complex subject when you look at the financial aspect of debt. uh, And I also realize that there are other scriptures that deal more exhaustively with with that subject. And and praise the Lord, we have individuals today that uh, have been a tremendous help to the church in that area. Few years back, it was Larry Burkett and, and Ron Blue that wrote in this area on financial principles. Today, we have Dave Ramsey and others uh, working in that area. So, I'm not going to touch the complex subject. I'm going to stick to what the text says this morning. And uh, you can wrestle with those financial principles from, from uh, other portions of Scripture. But the passage says there is one debt that we never fully discharge, and that is the debt of love. He said, oh, no, man, anything but to love one another. God is love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, he says, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And he stresses that same thought in verse 19 of that chapter there, where God demonstrated his love to us. The natural response to that is for us to love others in, in, in return there. If you recall, Jesus on one occasion was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Summed it up in two of them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and so forth. And then he said the second one is like, love your neighbor as yourself. So how do we love? How do we repay that debt of love today? Four thoughts come out of this passage. First is fulfill the law, verses 8 through 10. And before any of you say, wait a minute, I thought we were free from the law. Uh, let me just stress 
we are free from the law as far as our great salvation is concerned. We cannot earn our salvation. We, we cannot merit it in and of ourselves. It, it's a gift of God that he's given to us. And yet, we're not saved to simply live as we please. We are saved and set free to live to the glory of Jesus Christ. We are to live as a redeemed people. And God's moral principles do not change over the years from one age to, to the next there. As I think of living as we should, I think, think of the story of Queen Victoria, Queen of England. Uh, before she became queen, she grew up in the palace, uh, uh, was taught by tutors and so forth. And her parents stressed with each of those that were teaching them that they were not to tell Queen uh, or Victoria that she was in line to be the next queen of England. They said, if she asks, you can tell her. But if she doesn't ask, don't don't communicate that at this at, at such a young age in her life. One day, as one of the teachers was going over the succession of the kings down through the ages, Queen or Victoria suddenly stopped her teacher and said, "Does that mean I'm going to be the next queen of England?" And uh, it was the obvious question, so the teacher had to say, "Yes, that's that's what it means." Victoria sat there for a few moments, and then she looked at her teacher, and she said, then I will be good. What a remarkable insight for a young child, realizing I'm going to have to step into this position, whether I want it or not. I'm going to live in such a way that I'm going to bring honor to that position. That's what we should be doing as a child of God. We should be living in such a way that our lives bring glory to Jesus Christ. And Paul suggests a few ways we can do that here. He gives us a few commands. It's not an exhaustive list, and yet it does give us four moral principles that come out of the Old Testament law. And there's one thing that, there's one common denominator in these four commands. As you read through them, as you look at them, the thing that binds them together is the opposite of these commands is selfishness. It's being self-centered. It's putting ourself first and rather than loving our neighbor as ourself there. And so he lists them for us here. The first one is the area of adultery in First Timothy or First Thessalonians chapter four. And I don't think this was in your notes. Yeah, it is. Okay. Chapter four, verse three, he says that each of you uh, Got the wrong verse there. Oh, no, that's right. This is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality there. God set the pattern back in the beginning of time. He created man and woman to reflect the image of God. And he brought them together in a marriage relationship in the very beginning of time. I read an interesting book on that this week. It's entitled Beauty, Order, and Mystery. It's looking at the way in which our society is is going today and some of the perversions that are coming into our society and so forth. And it was interesting that, that one of the writers in the book made the comment that God, as he created man in the image of God, created marriage at the same time. They were to be a reflection of God. They, they, uh, and God is a triune being there. They were to reflect the creativity of God and so forth. And the best way they could do that was through a marriage relationship. And then 
he went on to point out the fact that you have that in the very opening chapter of the book of, of uh, Genesis. You come down to about the last chapter, next to the last chapter of the book of Revelation, and you have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so it, that, that whole concept is meant, and this is sometimes what we miss today, it's meant to reflect something about the glory of God and the character of, of God today. Now, I, I realize in saying that, that God doesn't call every one of us into marriage. The, the, the gift of singleness is a gift from God, and, and he ha- has a different purpose in mind for that. But we are to avoid, he said, adultery there because that is based in selfishness. It's seeking to satisfy ourselves and not minister to the other person there. You read the book of Proverbs and you see the, the results and the consequences I've had people come to me and say, well, what's wrong with living together? We love each other. Get it official. God says, make it right. Uh, it, uh, the, the, the problem with that is it's so easy because so often that's based on selfish interests. It's so easy to walk away. There's no real commitment there. We, we, we need that sense of commitment in, in our relationship with one another. Anything less than that cheapens the picture of God's image and what God wants to reveal through marriage in in the day and age in which we live. So he says, if you're going to love one another, you have to abstain from adultery. Same thought comes out of the second one, which is murder here. Murder destroys a life. And have you ever noticed why so many people are murdered? It's for selfishness. Somebody has something you want Somebody has done something you don't like. Somebody has has uh, gotten into a position that you want or whatever it may be. It's my rights that are being trampled on there. And so the obvious, if we can't deal with it any other way, we take their life. And uh, that becomes a, a, an act of murder there. Uh, you, you see the same thing even, even today in the abortion debate. Uh, I, I see that poster in the post office and on the bulletin board there. My rights. Yeah, my rights. But what about the right of the unborn child? Uh, are, are we being selfish and what is best for me? Or are we thinking of the other person? Are we exercising love at, at that point in, in our lives? Again, selfishness will destroy the other person. We, we need to be careful in that area. The next one is stealing. Again, we do people steal for Selfish desires. You have something that I like. I can't get it any other way. I think I'll just take it. That, it can become mine. I, uh, over the years, have uh, had been the victim of theft on several occasions. I, I think I have anyhow. I, I have a lot of books out there that people have borrowed, and, and uh, they haven't returned. <laughs> and they've been gone for years. I, and the only conclusion I can come to is either they've stolen from me or they're slow readers. <laughs> and they're just taking their time at it. Uh, on another occasion, to illustrate how serious it can be, we were living out in the village of Chilenko Forks, 110 miles west of Williams Lake, British Columbia, a logging road. Uh, took four hours to get from Chilenko Forks to Williams Lake. Uh, nothing in between but a, a few tiny villages. And one night in the middle of the night, I woke up and I heard our dog barking. And uh, it was cold. It was 
well below zero, and I thought if our dog wants to bark, let him bark. I'm not going out there at this hour of the night in, in the cold, and went back to sleep, and a day or two later, I got, went to start our car, and nothing happened. And I got to investigating, and somebody had helped themselves to our battery. Now, that was a real loss for us, because how do you get 110 miles into town to replace it? You have to either borrow a car or beg a ride or, or something. Then you have to put out the money for it and so forth. It it uh, it cost us considerable to, to get our car running again. All for the fact that somebody had a selfish reason. They could have knocked on the door and said, hey, I need my car needs a boost. Could you come and help me? But no, they figured I'd just take their battery. And, and, uh, and uh, we, we eventually found out who did it. It was too late at that point. They had ruined the battery. He did bring it back, but uh, it, uh, the only, only reason he brought it back is because the footprints went from our house up to his house, and uh, somebody suggested that maybe we ought to call the RCMP, and, and so he brought it back, but it, it was completely ruined at, at, at that point in, in time there. And we have an increasing problem with that in Chihuahua. Um, people are taking things that don't belong to them. Why? For selfish reasons, they want drugs. They they want different things. Uh, it, it's it's becoming a way of life. We we have to deal with that on a regular basis. And again, it goes back to that whole idea of I want my way, and at any cost. I, 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 it's a selfishness again. Well, then he goes and gets a little bit into the area of meddling because I'm sure we wouldn't go out and steal from somebody, would we? <laughs> Where's my books? <laughs> Uh, but the other area is coveting is coveting something now we say well well, what's wrong with that that doesn't hurt anybody well james chapter two or excuse me chapter four he says what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members you lust and do not have so you commit murder there the whole you know you go through the ten commandments and it's easy to kind of check them off. Okay, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't do this one. I wouldn't kill somebody or, and, and so forth there. But then you come down to number 10, and, and it gets a little bit rough there. Thou shalt not, what? Covet. Can we, uh, the, the, the rich young man that came to Jesus was able to say, you know, I've kept all the commandments. And then Jesus said, go sell all that you have and give to the poor. What was the problem in his life? It was covetousness. He wasn't able to surrender that area to the Lord. And it often leads to the breaking of all the other commandments. His law guides us in the fulfillment of these commands. Love does not defraud. It doesn't cheat. It doesn't steal. It gives. John chapter three sixteen says, God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son. Instead of looking at it from his own self-interest, he, he looked at it from our interest. And Jesus Christ willingly came and went to the cross. First John 4 says here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave himself as the propitiation for our sin. That's not up there. I didn't give that to my wife, but uh, it's it's First uh, John 4, uh, uh, I think it's verse 12 there. But uh, we fulfill the law. When we love one another, when we seek to, to minister, to reach out to someone else, it's a fulfillment of the law. 
And then notice the second command here. He wants us to seize the opportunity. It's easy for us to say, I love you. It's another thing to demonstrate that we love somebody. It, it, uh, I, I think of Charlie Brown and, and Linus in that situation. One time they were having a, a serious conversation of what they were going to be when they grew up. And Linus reveals to Charlie Brown, when I grow up, I'm going to be a, a great surgeon. He said, these hands are going to save lives. They're going to do tremendous things for people and so forth. And, and Charlie Brown looks at Linus and says, how can you do that? He said, when you don't even like people, how can you be a great surgeon? Uh, and Linus looks back at me and says, well, you know, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. <laughs> and, and, and don't we... If we're not careful, we can fall into that trap. Uh, have you ever noticed in Scripture that love is an action word? God so loved that he gave. God so loved that, that he sent his son into the world for our behalf. Uh, and uh, notice he encourages us here in, in verse uh, 11 and 12 to remember that because he said... It, it's already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. Now, some of you don't like that part, of, do you? You like to sleep in in the mornings. Uh, the dawn has come. It's, it's time to be up. I, 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 I don't know about you, but when that sun starts to come up, I don't know what the purpose is in staying in bed. Why, why do you want to sleep when the sun is up? You, you, you want to be up with the sun there. Uh, I realize some of you are night people, and, and you don't appreciate the humor of that, but that, that's okay. But, but notice he, he says there, it's time to awaken out of sleep for your salvation is nearer than when we believed. What does he mean by that? I think he means we are one day closer today to being with Christ in glory than we were yesterday. We, our, our salvation is secure in Christ, but uh, it's getting closer and closer. And it, you ever stop to think this could be the day? When we hear the trumpet call, this could be the day when we're ushered into the presence of the Lord, whether it's through the rapture or through death. Uh, it's closer today than it was this time yesterday, and even more closer than it was a week ago. It, it's coming, whether, whether we realize it or not. Malachi chapter 4, verse 2 speaks of the fact that the day is coming when the son of righteousness S-U-N, he uses there, but he's referring to Jesus Christ. He will rise with, with healing in his wings. And so I think what Paul is saying here in this, these two verses is, tomorrow may be too late to demonstrate your love to somebody else. Tomorrow may be too late to share the gospel with somebody that needs to hear the gospel message. Tomorrow may be too late to do those deeds of kindness that you, the Spirit of God is laying on your hearts. The only day that we really have is today. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. And, and so we need to learn to seize the opportunity. This is the day of salvation. He says this is the day when we have the opportunity to reach out and love somebody, to reach out and help them if they need help, to, to impart a blessing to them or, or share the gospel, whatever it may be. This is the day when we can pick up the phone Make that phone call or write that letter that, that needs to be written. Don't put it off till tomorrow because you may not have a tomorrow. Seize the opportunity today. 
And then he encourages us, the third thing here in verse 13, is to behave properly as we walk through this life. Uh, John 3 picks up on this, John 3, chapter, uh, verse 19. Uh, he, he says, uh, This is judgment that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Knowing that someday, and perhaps someday soon, we will stand in the presence of God and give an account for our life, Paul says there are certain things I want you to avoid. Certain things that demonstrate that you're not really loving as you should. And so he starts out with a long list here, and I'm just going to skim them for you. Uh, the first one, he said, not in what? Carousing there. Now, the Apostle Paul is not anti-fun. I, I get accused of that at times because uh, I, I'm not one for parties in the evening. Uh, we, when we lived in Ikalaka, we always had a, a New Year's Eve party. We would start right after supper, and we would go till midnight. And my family always used to laugh because... Uh, at midnight, we would all gather around together, and, and we would uh, have a, a time of prayer, reflecting on the past year and, and committing the, the new year to the Lord. And then as soon as the last amen was said, I would say, let's get in the car. <laughs> it's time to go home. I, I, I'm not a night person in, in that regard. But we had a tremendous time at those parties. We would always go out to a ranch. Uh, so, somebody would shovel off either a part of the river or, or the uh, Stock pond or something. We'd have skating. We'd have uh, sledding. Uh, kids did all kinds of things. It, it, it didn't matter how cold it was. You can always dress for the cold. Uh, we, we'd go out there, light a bonfire, and, and just have a tremendous time. The, the older people would sit in the house and play those stupid parlor games. <laughs> I, I, I hate those games. <laughs> I, and I realize... I, I'm getting to where I could identify with the older people, but uh, you, uh, there's nothing wrong with the party. Just don't expect me to get involved in those stupid games. <laughs> it, it, but that's not what he's talking about here. That, uh, parties can be great. Uh, the, the word party or carousing that he uses here is also revelry or it talks of wild parties. And what happens in those parties? We lose control and we hurt people. Rather than loving them, we do just the opposite. And you've all been there. You all know what I'm talking about. You, you've all seen those needs. It's, it's a time when we ignore the needs of somebody else rather than loving them as, as Christ would have us love. I, I was thinking of that. We had the opportunity when we were over in Hawaii a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think it was our last day there. We visited a, a sugar plantation. I, I don't even remember the name of it anymore, but... Uh, they, you took a train ride around. They showed you the crops that they were growing there. Then they they, they no longer raised the sugar there. But um, you know, it was a, a beautiful mansion that was built there. But you, you were able to tour most of the mansion, and, and so we we walked through it. Uh, the, the rooms, uh, lavish decorations, and so forth. But after we got home and we got to reading about, and they never told us this, but we got to reading about it. We found out in the heyday of the uh, when when they were really producing the sugar there, 
they would pay their workers 90 cents a day. For a 10-hour day, out in the heat or out in the rain, and I thought, I don't know if I even want to go back and see that lavish home again. When you realize who it was and what it was that paid for that, they they did that on the on off of the the service of of others, and you have to wonder what happened to the people that that were working there. Uh, I'm sure they had their parties there, and probably weren't wild parties, but at the expense of somebody else, that's not the way of love. The second area is drunkenness. That speaks of excess or being out of control there. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the, the spirit there. And anything that takes God's place in our life can lead to excess, can, can be a form of, of idolatry in our lives and, and leads to us losing control of, of our lives. So I think that's all included in that little term, drunkenness here. Uh, the sexual promiscuity is the next one there. That describes conduct that degrades another person, conduct that, that hurts the, the, the other person. It, and again, the whole basis of that is selfishness. We do it because of what we get out of it, not because we love the other person or because we want to, to, to bless the other person. We, we, do, we get involved in those areas because of our own selfish interests there. The, the fourth area is sensuality. I like the King James Version on this. The, the King James Version, if anybody has it here, puts it wantonness, or at least the old King James Version did. I don't know about the new King James Version. But I think it captures better the idea of what he's trying to, to say here. The word wantonness, the root word of that is what? It's want. It's want, yeah. We do this because I want it. We do it because of me, not because we love the other person. It's, it's what do I get out of it there. And uh, the Greek word actually means a, a filthy licentiousness here. You ever... Think of that when you you see some of the advertisements on some of the movies that are out there today. Some are just downright filthy, not worth watching. There's nothing of value in them for a child of God. The same thing with with a lot of things that are written and so forth. He says avoid that because it's degrading somebody else there. And, uh, And yet I think we have to probe just a little bit deeper in that area. With, with that whole idea of wantonness. How many times do we have problems, interpersonal problems, because I want my way? Are we willing to give up our way for the sake of somebody else? I mean, how many churches have been split over the, the color of the carpet there? Uh, is that really an important area? Yeah, I, I know what I like, uh, I, what I like to see, but... Uh, is that worth hurting your brother over or your sister? It's an area that that we need to guard against if we're going to go the way of love. The next one is strife. That's a tough one. Do you find yourself always at the center of the controversy, always seeking a fight with somebody? If you do, then you're not loving as you should. It's an area that you got, you got to be careful, and there is a time to fight. Uh, there are doctrinal issues that we need to take a stand on, but uh, so many issues are not worth fighting over. 
uh, unless we want our own way. And then it, it becomes an issue in our life. Paul says, avoid that, avoid strife. Then there's jealousy. Again, that's very similar to the whole concept of, of covetousness that we looked at just a few minutes ago. It, it affects how we act, how we react, the things we say, and how we treat one another. And, and so as you, as you look at this, does your behavior reflect the love of God? Does it reflect the character of Jesus Christ? That's what you're called here for. That, that's what he expects of you. You're to be a, a living demonstration of Christ to the world. And that's what he ends with in verse 14 there. He says, imitate Christ, the fourth one here. Put on the armor in verse 12 of, of God there, the, the armor of light. What it really boils down to is same truth comes out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5 there, where he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He said, Don't look merely at your own selfish interests, but look out for the interests of, of one another there. And again, as I said just a couple weeks ago, a good guide is that little acronym, WWJD. What would Jesus do? As we walk through life, it's good for us to stop and ask that question from time to time. In in this situation, what would Jesus do? There have been times when I've been in one of those stupid parties where <laughs> they needed a, one more person to play the game, and I and I have to force myself to do it because I think Jesus would do do that as well there. But what would he do in in these situations? How would he react? How how would he respond? As you read the Gospels, you notice Christ mingled with the tax gatherers, the Pharisees, even with the prostitutes, and yet without sin. He did not enter into their lifestyle. He did not compromise his principles. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says in verse 9, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral people, I did not at all mean with the immoral people of the world or with the covetous or the swindlers or the idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But I actually wrote to you not to associate with a brother that was living that way. And, and so we are to be in the world, but we are not to be of the world. We are not to be like the world. We, we go into the world to show them the character of Jesus Christ. We are there to demonstrate a difference that the difference that Christ can make in our life. The Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians twelve thirty one said to the Corinthians and all of the problems that they had there, he said, but I show you a more excellent way. What was that more excellent way? It was the way of love. Uh, unfortunately, in our Bibles, we have chapter breaks. When you come to verse 31 of of uh, chapter 12 ignore the chapter break just keep reading there go in, into chapter 13 because there he said he gives us that excellent way it is the way of love the love of christ in in our behalf and that we should be revealing to others we might ask well why does he expect that of us in first corinthians chapter 6 paul says this in verse 9 do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of god do you not do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, or adulterers, or effeminate, or homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. What a 
what a sweeping statement that is. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, but praise the Lord, he doesn't stop there. Read verse 11 with me. He said, and such were some of you. We were there. We were sinners in need of salvation. We were sinners in the grace of God. And he goes on to say, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of God. Of all people, we should understand that God is able to change and transform a sinner into a saint. We've been there. We, we, we've experienced what he is, is writing about there. And he said, if God can reach you, if God can change your life, then God can use you to touch the life of somebody else and reach them with the gospel message. You have been there, and now you can be the instrument through which God touches another's life. In a sense, he's saying, you remember that little chorus from, I think it was the 70s, pass it on. Pass it on. That's what he's asking us to do here. We have been recipients of his love. Now, he said, you have a debt. You have to discharge that debt by passing that love on to somebody else. In Romans chapter 5, he speaks of the fact that the Holy Spirit has poured his love into our hearts, into our lives. And what he's really saying in that verse is we're simply, we don't manufacture that love. We're simply the pipeline through which his love flows. And so God, as he loves us, we turn around and love somebody else. It's God loving them through us. We're simply the, the channel through which he wants to touch somebody else with, with his love today. And so as we, we think about that today, again, I'm going to raise the question I raised a few weeks ago. How is your love life? Are, are, are you loving as God would expect you to love? We are called to love God. We're called to love one another. Are, are we demonstrating that love through our actions to, to one another? Is there some area that maybe you need to work on? Some area where you need to demonstrate the love of Christ to somebody else. I'm going to give you an assignment this week. Uh, I want you to this week. Uh, actually, I'm looking at two things here. But the, the first one is I want you to ask the Lord to show you one practical way you can love somebody else this week. It may be sitting down and having a cup of coffee with them. It, it, it may be going over and visiting them. It, it may be doing something for them. It may be uh, sharing something in their life. Uh, it, it may be communicating the gospel to them. I, I'm not going to tell you how to do that. I'm going to let the Spirit of God tell you how to do that. But who can you be a blessing to this week? Are you willing to pray, Lord, love that individual through me this week? Because let's face it, the hands that he uses today are our hands. The feet that carry the gospel are our feet. The, the mouths that, that share his love and encouragement, is he uses our mouth to do it. He doesn't shout it from the heavens. He doesn't send angels to do our work. He sends us as instruments of his love to communicate his love. To, to others round about us. So are we willing to pray, Lord, use me this week to touch somebody else in the way of love? Are, are we willing to say, I'm available to be an instrument? I, I recognize you've loved me. I have this, I've been tremendously blessed and, and I just want to pass it on. And so here I am, Lord, show me one way to do that this week. Now, 
you don't have to stop with one way. If you get it all done tomorrow, pray it again Tuesday and, and just keep it up there. Make it a way of life there. Uh, but Lord, love through us. And then, uh, I, this isn't in your notes but or up there, but I was thinking of it this morning. Are we willing to let others love us? You know, sometimes that means we have to set aside our pride. We like to be self-sufficient. I, I've been struggling with, with a bad knee. And, uh, you know, I like to do things myself, and I like to do things my way. I had to pick up the phone this week. or No, I, actually, it wasn't the phone. I, somebody stopped in, and I said, you know, I've got a need, and I think you can help me with it. It was fixing a, the skylight on our roof. I sit in my chair. I looked up there. Hey. A piece of glass fell out of that. <laughs> and so we had to cover it with plastic and so forth. And I realized, you know, I can't kneel up there and do that. Uh, that was a blow to pride. And yet I thank God that somebody was willing to do that and came over and in 10 minutes had the job done and went on their way. Uh, and I... I don't you have to love it when your wife tells you what the Lord's doing in your life? <laughs> Twice this week, she said, well, maybe the Lord's trying to teach you not to be so proud in those areas. Let others minister to you. And then she had, oh. <laughs> yesterday she said, maybe the Lord's trying to teach you patience. <laughs> I didn't need to hear that one. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can't get more patient than I am, <laughs> uh, unless I have to stop at a red light. <laughs> that, that, that's a different story there. But, you know, are we willing to be used of God to let somebody else demonstrate love in a practical way to us? Or do we in pride say, hey, wait a minute, I can do it myself, I don't need you? Uh, do we stop what God wants to do in their life by not letting them be a blessing in our life? So how is your love life? Take a long, hard look at that. What, what does he want, who does he want you to reach out to? And is there some area where you have to be on the receiving end so that God can bless the other person? And, and, and wrestle with those issues today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we marvel when we read Scripture and we read God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Father, we, we can't even begin to fathom the depth of that love, much less begin to understand why in the world you would do that, but you did. And that we read, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Father, I believe we're rapidly approaching the day when Jesus Christ is coming back. This is the day you've given us to love, to demonstrate your love to those that desperately need a glimpse of your love. Give us the courage this week to be instruments of love, sharing that love with somebody else, maybe receiving that love into our own lives so that others can be blessed in the process. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing that song, familiar song, In the Garden. You know what? If we're going to be in the garden with the Lord, I just have a feeling he's going to ask us a little bit about, are you doing the things I said? Are we loving as he should? So let's sing in the garden.